Hey, 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 good people. It's your girl, Kadrika McClary Easley, back with another episode of Bum, 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 Bum. The people are blunt. Um, Y'all see I'm here with someone, so I'm going to handle this business pretty quickly because I'm excited about this conversation today. So, good people, you know we are on all the platforms. We are on um, we are on Apple Music, Amazon Prime, Spotify, YouTube. Um, please like, subscribe, thumbs up, leave comments, do all of the things to let us know that you are out there and you are paying attention. Um, I've said this a million times. I'll say it again. I actually read the comments. I actually respond to the comments. So if you take your time, I'm definitely going to take mine and reciprocate. Um, in addition... The People's Ecosystem. Check out our merch and our wellness lines. And for those of you, because we are still federally illegal, um, but if you are out on the West Coast, you get to take advantage of um, trying our Toasty Treats. These are gummies that are fast acting. They are amazing. They taste good. This one right here is Passion Fruit. Um, it is with new technology called Unlock It. And so what it does is attach to a protein instead of some of these other emulsifiers. And so guess what? Our bodies know what to do with proteins. So you get to keep more of the good stuff. And also drip drop, y'all. Y'all know about the drips. So these are awesome because they are made with monk fruit. So it does not have a taste. You can take it as a shot and or you can add it to a beverage. Without further ado, I am joined today by Ms. June Johnson. For those of you who do not know June, please introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, absolutely. My name is June um, I've been working in cannabis for half a decade, which seems crazy to even say. Um, I started with learning cannabis through a delivery company that I was working for in the Bay and then went on to create Collective High and then the Weed Doula. I'm very passionate about this space. I'm very passionate about talking about this space so we can destigmatize cannabis use. And um, that's really me in a nutshell. I'm a model and an advocate and a founder. And I'm here to talk to people about weed and sometimes join them in smoking. <laughs> Absolutely. We love it. First of all, um, thank you for being here. So um, I have to ask, where did the weed doula, uh, how did you get that name? Was it one that you kind of brainstormed or was it given to you? Um, Self-created. Um, I brainstormed it because... I started Collectify back in 2021, and really that was an answer to what I wasn't seeing in the event space in cannabis. Um, my background is fashion PR, and then I traveled into an event in the hospitality space, and the first cannabis event I went to, I saw a woman walking by in like a weed bikini, and I was like, this can't be what I joined this you know they everything. You know they're going to sexualize and over-sexualize everything. At every opportunity, and I was like, no. Um, so that's what Birth Collective High of like bringing my background into the space and creating really fashionable chic events that normally have alcohol and replacing it with cannabis. But what I noticed is there's still a large gap in the education around cannabis and cannabis consumption. And so I was seeing these like really scary videos, especially on TikTok of people consuming like 500 milligrams, 600 milligrams going into catatonic states and then blaming weed for it right. when that would be equivalent to like having three bottles of Jaeger and being surprised that you got, you know, drunk. So right. I created the yeah, weed law poisoning. Right. Like these are the things that are going to happen if you overconsume anything. Right. Yeah. So the weed doula was birthed out of bringing my education and my onboarding that I've learned um, and really talking to people in one on one settings because Collectify is a group setting. But weed doula is one on one consultations where I really just work with people to find out 
what symptoms they have and what cannabis products can address those symptoms. So a lot of the clients I have are cancer patients, um, perimenopausal women, people who are moving away from alcohol and either becoming Cali sober or just want to cut down on their alcohol experiences. And so that's really where the doula aspect came in because it is working with people one-on-one and much like, you know, birthing doulas work with people on their birthing programs. I work with people on their self-care cannabis programs. Yeah. I, uh, I loved it. You know, I am a mom of two now. So as soon as I saw a doula um, immediately, and I, I wonder if this is the reaction from women though, but immediately there was a warmth and kind of like a familiar comfort there um, because that's what doulas bring, right? You, immediately you think about help, you think about guidance, you know, you think about, um, you know, that kind of special bond of, it's almost therapeutic in a way, you know, the relationship that you wind up having with a doula, with your doula. So I love immediately I was taken by the name. Thank you. And that's really what I wanted to elicit with it because weed can be this big, scary thing, but it doesn't have to, you know, I often tell my clients, it now probably feels like turning on Netflix. There's a million options in every different direction. You get lost in the sauce and don't know where to start. And I really want to simplify that process for people so they don't throw out the baby with the bathwater and just really don't want to touch weed at all because they're confused where to start. And so I want to build that rapport, that connection. So it's not just me recommending products. It's me really knowing what's going on. You know, like the way it started for me was my mom um, was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin lymphoma cancer after breaking her femur. That's how we found out about it. And so she's an old school hippie. She has always, you know, loved marijuana. It was I grew up in a marijuana positive household, age appropriate. Mm-hmm. So she already had her system. She already knew what she liked smoking, all these things. But because of the education I had, I was able to really titrate her experience and help her with like CBG in the morning to help abate the anxiety that was going to come on, you know, from chemo and stuff like that. And really just break down a personalized, tailored process for her. And she said that helped her tremendously, like in ways that she wouldn't have even ever imagined. And so I really wanted to bring that level of care that I got to basically create through love of my mom and creating something for her and bring that to other people. I think that's so important. Oftentimes we associate help um, being something that's needed for those who are new to cannabis, who are new to this world. But there are a lot of OGs out there who their first time going to a dispensary was overwhelming. Yeah, it's like Toys R Us and being a little kid. It's just too much stimulus. You're like, what is all this? I don't know. Never mind. I'm good. Thanks. Bye. And we don't want that to happen. Yeah, it's like you are. You have all of these special names. All I know is I want some good weed. I don't want trash. I don't want Reggie. You know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, there was this basic understanding. And so um, so I, I can imagine there being that group of people as well that, you know, would love your services. Yeah, that's a vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, food and music. Those are my love. Like, those are my love languages. Food, food and music, music and weed. So I am new. Like, I'm fairly new. I didn't start until I was like 28. Okay. Um, prior to that, I was a drinker. And, mm-hmm. you know, just being a part of the dare era, like, even though almost everyone in my family consumed, mom, dad, but there were still these negative connotations with it. It was still like, Oh, you're borrowing money from someone for gas for your car, but you smoking a blunt. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so there was this weird relationship that I had with it. Um, didn't start till I was 28. And then after 30, 
liquor wasn't the same. Yeah. Well, our bodies start changing and it doesn't respond the same. And liquor's never been healthy for us anyway. So it's never been healthy, but I was one of those people who did not have hangovers. Like I mm -hmm. could, I could drink. I mean, I lived in New Orleans. I ate and drank my way through that city. And so I could drink. And the next morning I would be up for work on time, chipper. Good morning, Good morning. everyone. Like everything was fine. Literally something happened at like 31. Mm -hmm. and it was like, Wait, this is what you all have been feeling when you say that you're hungover. <laughs> this, this is what you're talking about. I was like, baby, uh, yeah. we cannot do this. We can't live. This is not living. This is not life. This is not giving me what I want. I can't yeah. have a weekend to recoup every time I consume. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so that's what changed it for me. You know, it, and also it was funny. It's like I never saw angry high people. I've seen angry drunk people, very sad drunk people. Yeah. All of the extremes, if you will. I've never seen people who have smoked some weed. You know what I mean? Not yeah. be chill. Right. Always just either laughing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Smiling. Yeah. We're getting really deep conversations for like five hours. <laughs> really deep. Like the sky is blue. What kind of blue is the sky? Do you see these clouds? You know what I mean? Like, I right. Mean, um, and so again, as we grow, as we educate ourselves, as we step outside of um, the stigmas, right? Mm -hmm. As we step outside, what has been the propaganda and what has been fed to us mm -hmm. it totally blew my mind it totally yeah. you know was just wow this like life could be like this like mm -hmm. I can feel good like this I'm gonna opt into this yeah. yeah and I think that's what this movement is why it's happening right now you know like and one of the first things I do especially with people who are anti-cannabis is I love breaking down the history of it you know just pointing out that hemp has been around since 10,000 BC right it was used ceremoniously, but it was also used in baskets, clothing, everything you could imagine. It was fundamental. Yes. It's been fundamental for a long time to the point that the first cannabis law in this country was in the 1600s, which said every farmer had to grow hemp because that's how important it was. Yes. And so once you start looking at, okay, well, how did we go from there to here? What's transpired in between all that to make us think the way we do around cannabis, you start realizing racist propaganda has a hand in it, you know, uneven distribution and inequality and stuff like that. And that's so key to understanding and breaking apart some of the stigma. And as we talk, I mean, you being a creative yourself, right? As you know, we talk about jazz, when we think about music, when we think about art, when we think about fashion, um, and especially people of color who are in those spaces consuming it, I'm going to call a spade a spade. Um, basically, they were trying to, and they, I say those in power, mm -hmm. were trying to protect or at least using that as an excuse that they were protecting white women of right? course these white women were going to jazz club first of all we so saucy like black people i mean like people of color we have been saucy from the beginning like we are a vibe and yeah. so you know people gravitate right like we we create culture like we create those movements and so people yeah. gravitate to us the, we're and, the blueprint correct I'm just going to say it. We're the blueprint. And there's a lot of jealousy around that. You know, I think of don't you jealous me, but that's exactly what happened, you know, and I'll name names, Harry Anslinger and Hearst. 
Hearst and Combination, they really did that in the 30s, you know, and really made it so that jazz musicians were demonized, Mexican immigrants were demonized, same playbook, different day that we have, you know, and so you start looking at all of that, movies like Reefer Madness coming out, really trying to demonize it. And then you have people like Anslinger straight up saying marijuana gives darkies the impression that they're equal to white men and that it makes the women turn after them. And it's like, you know, I think with just like one one little bit of therapy, we could have fixed all that. And had you not been so jealous about black people and weed and music and gyrating and all the things that they said were so bad at the time. <laughs> But it's the fear. Like, we know what drives people, right? Mm -hmm. People are driven tremendously by fear. Yeah, right? love or fear. It's one of those two bases that everything falls under. Everything falls under it, right? So, I mean, if we go back to, you know, when we were enslaved as a people, the fact that we were given rags, the fact that women had to cover their heads, you know, mm -hmm. all of that was like this fear of, oh, my husband, my man is lusting after this. This is enticing. This is exotic. This looks different. This is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And what can I do to downplay, to diminish? And even then it still didn't work. You know, and so that's the it never has. crazy thing. It never works. It never has. And I think that's what's so important. And what's lost in a lot of history is the reconstruction era, which we have to talk about because I think that's what set off so much of what we're seeing play out today, especially with Jim Crow is like, you know, slavery was codified by the fact that like we were too dumb we were animals we weren't you know of the mindset to even understand what was happening to us right that was why it was okay to do what they did to us then you have freedom then you have the reconstruction era and immediately like overnight we start winning we start building we start growing we had members of congress in the reconstruction era like we really did that and that is what frightened them, because if you take all the things that you've said about us and we're animalistic and we're dumb and this, that and the other, but then here we are outpacing you two seconds after getting out of shackles. What does that say about you? What does that say about us? And like when I hear like DeSantis say like, oh, slavery gave them benefits, if you will, like it was a freaking 401k. It makes me so angry because that is racist ideology in its foundation to think that you just kidnapped whomever we were living in huts this then the other instead of understanding you kidnap lawyers you kidnap doctors you kidnap nurses you kidnap midwives you kidnap philosophics exactly we birth civilization who yes. did you think you kidnapped correct so yes it just all starts to pull apart once you start pulling it apart and and even then and and because girl we can go down okay we can go down a rabbit hole on this but i'll just say you know this this florida desantis thing like kills me with this whole idea that uh, enslavement is what gave us our skills. And it's like, we even made that better. You know what I mean? Like who invented the cotton gin? Like, you right. know, we, we are creative. Um, we are generators. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it's just so beyond me. It, uh, okay. Anyway, yeah. we're going to go off of that. The moral to the story, good people is that we the shit people mm -hmm. of color, we are the blueprint. We are the vibe. We are the creators. All of the black things world does not. The world does not move without black creativity. Period. Point blank. Thank you. Period. That's it. Okay. So, um, <laughs> my Aquarius rising will like take it there. So, like, <laughs> wait and don't do it because I'm a sedge, but my 
Moon is Aquarius. Oh, see, yeah, this is what happens when I link up so, with other friends. I'm like, how can we start the revolution now? <laughs> and let and let's televise it, okay? Because y'all gonna see this. Y'all gonna see this okay? in 4K. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. So mom and, and also fuck cancer. Let me just yeah. say that. Okay. So um in 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 your um love giving to mom, you're ushering her through this. Um, this is where the we doula is kind of birthed from because it is a care. Also, this is something that black women do. Um, we care, um, we make those things happen. Let's go into so did the weed doula start first and then it was the collective high? Other way around. So collective high started in 2021. We okay. just started this year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's, let's go to the beginning then let's go to the collective. Yeah. Um, I know your partner is Leah Siri. It's actually just me now. It's just you now. Yeah. It's just all me. Okay. We'll come yeah. through queen. Okay. On her own. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah. Collective high, I know, you know, it was created because there was a void, right? There were things that you were not seeing, but it's an interesting concept because it's membership based, right? Um, so walk me through, you know, yeah. how, how does this whole thing kind of work? Yeah. The evolution of collective high is I did start it with Leah. Um, and then when I moved to New York, I had a vision for how I wanted it to be in New York and the workload was just not compatible with her workload. Okay. And so now collective high is based in New York. Okay. And it's flipping from being an event production company, which it was in the Bay, to one that I've dreamed of, which is turning it into a private membership. And the reason mm -hmm. for that is to make it a consumption lounge. Yes. But my vision for it is really to make it like Soho House, but for cannabis lovers. So oh, you can come co-work during the day, but it'll also be an event space, a party space in the evening and on the weekends and things like that. Okay. Um, and the thought process behind that is not merely just to have fun with weed, which I love doing. But we are in some serious times. We always have been, but they're very serious right now between politics and sustainability, climate crisis and so forth. And so my vision has always been to create um, a modern day salon, if you will. Mm. People who want to see movements take place and transpire, think that they have great ideas to add to the mix and want to connect with other people. Because isn't that most of the time what happens when we share a blunt? Yeah. You know, we start talking, be like, how can we change the world? Oh, I think it needs this. And I think so bringing people together who already have that love in their heart yeah. and making it a really safe space, but also making it really chic, high end space that is very inclusive. I don't want to see the same old thing, like just because you have money, you can be a member. It right. really is dynamic on how you plan on contributing, basically. It, it it reminds me of like those jazz jam sessions, right? Where everybody like you add a little bit of bass to it, yeah, add a little bit of drum, you know. That so is really the heart of it. Is that same style of like what what do you bring to the table? What can you help out? You know, my my ministry might be I know some policymakers. You know, my ministry might be I am a lawyer, and so I can help people get out of prison who have been wrongfully put there from the war on drugs. You know, all these things, and what happens when we come together. I've, very influenced by the Jacobin Society and um, the French Revolution and how these in age of enlightenment, women were coming together, creating salons, talking about how do we change this because it's not going how we want. And so that's really what birthed my vision for Collective High in New York and where it's going into. You know, one of the things that struck me um, when I was doing my research is I didn't see a lot of pictures, right? So I'm a I'm a geriatric millennial, right? So I remember dial up. I remember like Oregon Trail, all that kind of stuff, you know, not having call waiting on the phone. 
And I miss the days sometimes of like exclusivity, right? Of like there being events, but you had to have been there, right? Like everything being shared. And so I wonder, is that, was that a, was that a conscious decision uh, by you and, or at the time, both of you, but is that a conscious thing to not put everything out there? Yeah, I took a lot of it back. Um, And like I said, my old partner, I, we had just had very different visions for what we thought Collectify was going to be. So now in this iteration, I've been able to pull some things off that I didn't feel are aligning with where it's going to go. But it is a kind of, if you know, you know, you know, it, it still is for the most part, not federally legal. So it's like, we still have these like gray areas in which we're operating in where, you know, every day it's something new in the cannabis industry. Everyone understands that MasterCard saying, nope, not anymore, you know, different things like that happening. And so I think it's a protective space to come through from this and to make it more, not behind closed doors as if we're ashamed of it, but getting our stuff together behind closed doors so that we can move as a united front to make things different. And it is kind of on that exclusive aspect of after the event happens, sure, we'll put it out there. But before the event happens, it's just really for the people who are being invited to it. Yeah. It's like partying with the purpose. That part. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And so I know you're in the process of of fine tuning and and getting things together on the East Coast. Um, How do you imagine the membership going? Like, will there be applications? Will there be like, how do you imagine that process being? It's funny because it's like, you know, sometimes this dream came to me a while and I thought it was the right time back then, but it wasn't. It had to cook some more and like really form. And so really thinking about the memberships that I love and memberships that I didn't. And one of the things in L.A., like I was always too broke to join Soho House. And I was like, I would be such a good member, but it's behind a paywall at this point, you know, and I kept getting people saying, oh, I'm going to refer you. Come, you know, and I was like, yeah, with what money? Like, you want me to bring monopoly money? Like, (laughs) what? So. I was always a little, you know, bent about that. Like, oh, you know, I'd be good enough to be in, but I can't afford it. And so I really wanted to do my own space differently than that, because I don't think just because you have the money, you're a good member for this. And so the application process is really important. There's questions on there that really showcase who you are as a person, what you do with your activism, which is really important, and how you plan to contribute with your philanthropy and how that shows up in your space. So there is an application process. The membership it's a process, you know, I really want to sit down with each person and, you know, do a one-on-one interview with like me and my team and stuff like that. So um, it's a process, but that really is so that we can make sure that the membership is filled with artists, philanthropists, you know, people who are rebellious, but in the right way. And like really just trying to do some good in this space, people who are connected to policy, all kinds of things like that to really get a good mixture. Kind of like when clubhouse first came out, they were really, really bringing it. And then all of a sudden it just went to like LLC Twitter basically. And then all of a sudden it was like, here's how you make a million dollars by 2 PM today. And it's like, wait, right, wait. Like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm done now. Yeah. So I want to avoid that. <laughs> initially there were like amazing conversations and you could be in a room with, you know, celebrities. You can be in a room. I mean like everyone. It was right? early Twitter back in the day. It was yes. like 2009 Twitter of like, Oh my gosh, I'm talking to this person. And where right. would we have been able to connect outside of this? And it was right. really customized. And that's, that's what I'm trying to bring to Collectify, a customized group of people that really are in it for the right reasons and not just because they have the money to pay a membership due. Yeah. I love that. Um, because there are so many money is often used as a gatekeeper, Yeah, you know, and 
that does not reflect anyone's character. That doesn't mm -hmm. reflect, you know, um, anyone's ethics. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes it could actually, you know, um, be a negative, if you will. Like a lot, Absolutely. you know, people conflate wealth with genius and wealth with like, you know, I was talking about this the other day in terms of Bill Gates has no medical training. But a lot of people defer to him to listen to different things about medicine. And like we do that often, you know, Bezos, et cetera. We listen to these people thinking like, oh, well, they have money ergo, they have more room to speak or they have more insight. And that's just not true. And we need to really break that apart. And I hope in some small way this is able to break that apart and show that like it's not just about money. You there's so much more. Money is a part of it, but it's not everything. And we really need to defocus on money being everything. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So you've been in the space for five years. I would ask, what has been most surprising to you over these years of officially being in in the space? Ooh, that is such a good question. Um, <clears throat> it's not that racism surprises me. I'm a black woman in America. But and also sometimes it is still surprising just how pervasive it is in every single corner, especially when it comes in this industry, because you have a lot of people who talk a great talk about like, oh, I'm a hippie and I'm for the plant and magic and come together in community. But they only mean community for some people and they really don't see it you know, outside of that. Um, I don't think that you should have dispensaries that look like Apple stores while there's still people sitting in prison who look like you and me who built out this entire entire space. Who are still in prison for it while mostly white people are profiting from it that's just not sitting well with me and it never will so nice. some of my surprise came when i was working for the first company i did in cannabis and their talk did not match their walk yeah. and learning that the hard way and still dealing with it as a black woman and realizing like oh i'm i'm experiencing burnout because i'm experiencing racism like <laughs> let me connect the two together and what can i do about that um, and so that's part of why I started. That's actually the chunk of why I started Collective High is getting out from that ordeal and then moving into, OK, I know what I don't want. So what do I want to create and what do I want to see here? And still just, you know, there's a lot of people who put up a black square, you know, and thought that that was like the end of their activism. Um, there's stats now that the DEI roles that were hired in 2020, 2021 have now disappeared. Only one percent of the companies that said they were going to donate and 2020 actually did yep. and so it's just like the same old same old same old so it's like even in this space this you know supposed supposedly higher integrity space you still see the same things playing out how do we stop that from continuing on like how are states that are now opening up to legalization avoiding the loopholes that happened in california that allowed a lot of bad players and bad actors in the space and controlling the space in really harmful ways so i'd say some of that was just surprising in terms of just how deep it penetrated yeah. While also not being surprising because America, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because capitalism. And yeah. this late stage capitalism is ruining everyone's mind right now. Like, <laughs> I think that's why, not I think, I know that that's why your idea of how you're setting up um, in New York is so refreshing because yeah. every, because so much is centered on money. It's the bottom line. It's how much can I get? How much can I take? Profit, profit, profit. Um, Greed exactly. is good. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting because oftentimes, and I don't want to make it just a black and white issue, but oftentimes when you hear people of color talk about we talk about cannabis, um, we are talking about it 
more from a healing community-based lens, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so, and it's, and it's usually not how much can I make? Oh, I'm trying to get into this. I want to get into this industry because I want to make a million dollars in a year, you know, like usually, and there are always outliers. So I Mm -hmm. say usually we are talking about it from a lens of, yes, I want to be able to take care of myself, but I'm going to take care of my community. You know what I mean? Like, how do I, how do I repair some of the harm? How do I uplift people who, you know, are basically walking around every day with PTSD who like have been traumatized due to, you know, the war on drugs and Mm -hmm. how we were policed differently and how we were sentenced differently. And Um, how it was planned and coordinated with dropping drugs into our neighborhoods, Cointelpro, et cetera. Like you have to talk about all of it. All of that. I, um, uh, am in the process of of reading Afini Shakur's book mm-hmm. that was uh, was curated by Jasmine Guy, yes. and so you know she's talking about Cointel Pro. She's talking about you know the whole twenty one right, New York twenty one mm-hmm. that group, and how just devious and how insightful, how intentional the infiltration was and in, in the lies and always I'm like. Just, my grandmother grew up with and was best friends with Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. Okay. Um, my great grandfather's Don Wesley Dobbs, who very influential in Atlanta as far as getting blacks registered to vote and so forth yep. like that. My mom grew up with tapped phones because my grandmother <laughs> heard about this program back in the sixties that was giving free uh, breakfast to children. Free She's breakfast, like, free I'm going to help out with that. I'm going to go volunteer. That's amazing. And so she did. That was before the Black Panther Party was specifically the Black Panther Party. And because of that and because of how involved she was in activism, because of how she was raised, my mom grew up with tapped phones with the government trying to infiltrate. And so it's just like you see how pervasive it is. You see how all encompassing is. And that's why we say it's systemic, you know? Yes. It's not about individuals. It is literally the collective, right? Like just Mm -hmm. not wanting the collective to thrive. No. Wanting us to be constantly in this state of free labor. Like, again, it goes back to capitalism, right? Like, because even if you look at our prison industrial complex, right, it's about mm-hmm. free labor. Yeah. So slavery by like- another name. Like, if you haven't watched the PBS free special, you can go on YouTube and watch the full thing. It's called Slavery by Another Name. Yep. It's the precursor to Ava DuVernay's 13th. It should be mandatory because you get to see just from a very simple overview of like, okay, so we didn't have that many prisoners and most prisoners were white until yeah. what happened? Slavery yeah. ends yeah. in the reconstruction era. Then you have Jim Crow. And right around that time, then you start getting policed for loitering, all these things that they could just throw you in jail quite easily for because what? You're now slave labor because that's the loophole in the 13th Amendment. So you just have it by a different name and you can look at the time period of, oh, wow, when did when did we start getting so many people in prison? Oh, wow. Right as slavery starts ending, that starts happening. Coincidence? I think not. You know, and you really have to look at it through that lens of how intentional has this been? How intentional is it still being? And what can we do about it to stop it immediately? Yeah. I mean, even the inception of police forces, right? This was like- Slave patrols. Slave patrols. This was people who were deputized. These are white men who were deputized and allowed to exert power, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were allowed to use their own discernment. To check the ruling class and their property, the class and which their included property. slaves. Correct. Okay. So um, y'all welcome for this history lesson, everybody. Okay. So uh, let's get back. We're going to get back to some good, girl, because um, we are going down all the lanes. Okay. So 
I want to talk about, we talked about your mom. I want to talk about, because you're such a creative, um, you are involved in the arts in so many different ways. And so one of the things in destigmatizing cannabis um, that I love to, to address is how it is some of your most um, amazing people, people that, you know, people who you see every day, you work with every day who are doing amazing things, um, mm -hmm. but who are lovers of this plant. Mm -hmm. And so what role would you say um, that cannabis plays in your life or has played mm -hmm. in your life? Well, it's been a journey, right? Like, so it's never been any one thing. Like when I was in high school and smoking with friends, it was like a way to be social and communal. Um, when I like dabbled in and out of it after college and then, you know, finding this career path and then my mom getting sick and then having just a whole new respect for it. But as an artist and a creative, you know, I often say that cannabis is an ego-less drug. Like some of the more natural drugs are ego-less because it removes your aid, your ego, and you get to connect to yourself at the most authentic space. And so as an artist, that is like your divine youth fountain, whatever you want to call it, like tapping into that source, right? Yeah. Versus like alcohol and cocaine and things that are alter ego drugs is what right. I call them. Right. And so as a creative, being able to at times where I haven't known how to be vulnerable in my own space, be able to tap into cannabis use and unearth some things, work through some things, work through some things through my art, yeah. um, birth ideas. I'm a crazy serial entrepreneur. Like every time I smoke, I'm like, ooh, this idea, this needs to happen. You know, like it just it, it goes and it goes. And I, I love that connection. And I love the people I've met through this, because like you said, like the people who intentionally love the plant and understand it and respect it, being in community with people like that is so life changing. The conversations that are had, the ways in which we pull up to help, it's just really, it's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into some of these, these spaces and these things that you created, right? Um, out of the events or out of the vibes that you have uh, curated, which, tell me one that stuck out to you, that sticks out to you, excuse me, and, and why? Yeah. So one that we've already created, there was an event we, uh, we did in 2021 called Vibe Check. Okay, I did see that. Yep. Yeah. And so it was really designed, everything is like conceptual around education, like all the events that we do, even if it's like fun and this, that and the other, they're still at the central point is how can we educate people around cannabis use in their lives. And so Vibe Check was about habituating people to check in with themselves before they even start to consume so they can understand what products are going to help them get to where they want. You know, really kind of connecting that intentionality with cannabis use, I think, is the pathway forward to destigmatizing it because people start to really understand, oh, I need something for focusing or, oh, you know, I'm feeling a little stressed out and frazzled. What can I find to help me with that? And so that's what I really try with the Weed Duel and with Collective High is really bringing that intentionality into it. Mm -hmm. The vibe check was great. We worked with this wonderful woman named Amanda Ryman, um, who is over at Personal Plants. And she's so knowledgeable in the space. And so basically when people checked in, they checked in with her. She would ask them questions like, how are you feeling today? You know, like what, where is your head at right now? What are you feeling? What are you wanting to feel? And based on what they'd say, she would guide them to a different activation and this beautiful three-story speakeasy that we had as our venue. And so if someone wanted to be social and party a little bit, you know, they might be guided to an activation around the bar or the DJ is or outside smoking. If someone was hungry, we had a munchie station. If someone felt like being creative, we had a creative craft station where people can make their own um, bath salts and scrubs and things like that. So we really tried to get people to see cannabis. I was zoned out. 
different ways, right? Like all the way out. I would have been all in the bath salts, girl. I would have been all like, yes, let me do this. Let me smell this. Let me. Because it's a it's a totally tactile experience for all your senses. And I think that's what's really important about cannabis use is like you can you can use it to have fun in so many different ways. And it really is a full body experience, just like it's a whole plant experience, you know, and connecting all that together is really essential. So that's one that I've been excited about. And then the one that I'm building right now is for New York Fashion Week and getting people to understand the confluence of cannabis and creativity, much like our conversation, and really bringing that home in this private event for New York Fashion Week, which as a model, Fashion Week is one of the most stressful weeks. <laughs> like, and are you modeling as well as doing this event? Yes. Girl. Doing it all. <laughs> Doing it all. But that's how I am able to connect it because I know how stressful it's been for me. You know, your skin breaks out because of stress, but also because of all the makeup that's being constantly put on, taken off, da da. You're shaving in Ubers as you're going from one place to another. <laughs> it's just pandemonium. And it's the best pandemonium ever, but it is hard on the body. And yes. so getting people to understand in the fashion industry that you can turn to cannabis for easing your anxiety or, you know, you know, if you're tired and you have a photo shoot, maybe use a little THC with CBD, a nice one-to-one -one combo to, you know, help you out. So there's all these different ways in which you can use cannabis in this space. And I want to introduce that to this crowd. So uh, in terms of those who will be privy to this, to this vibe, to this whole experience during fashion week, um, is this open to, you know, those who are attending? Is this more so of a kind of behind the scenes VIP thing? Um, what's that? Yeah, yeah. So it is for the fashion industry. So if you're a model, a designer, hair, makeup, you know, etc. that somehow is attached to the industry. Um, it is a private event, so it's invite only. Um, but please feel free to reach out if you are in the industry and you haven't been invited and I just might not know you and I would love to have you attend. Um, and so we're just, we're putting out there, I'm putting out these small events basically just to give people a taste of what Collective High does and then opening up to membership basically. Okay. And when is the event? It's September 8th from 7 to 10 PM in Manhattan. Oh, do you really expect people to leave at 10 o'clock? We got to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is your first stop before you go out somewhere else for this the is. this is pre-gaming yes. this is this like your pre-game you get all good um uh, bloom's gonna be there a lot of really amazing people really Love amazing brands just very excited and the best part is each attendee will get an emergency kit with mm -hmm. curated products that are designed completely around de-stressing your fashion week that's amazing that's amazing. Um, so, hey, if y'all have not reached out, if y'all are in fashion and do not know June, I don't know why y'all don't. But if you don't know June, you see the ticker below. Um, please make sure that you hit her up. Um, also, she is on IG at Collective High and the Weed Doula. So make sure that you hit her up and um, so that you can be in the place to be. Because um, this is kind of like a launch, right? Like this is this, this is, is you. New York. Yeah. We out here. We outside. We outside, y'all. Um, and, and what a better time to do it, right? Because, again, Fashion Week is all about the merging yeah. of the artistic world. You know, you have you have dance, you have bodies, right? Like bodies are, you, you models. Mm -hmm. That in itself is art, right? Absolutely. And so you, have, you have clothes, you have bodies, you have music, you have, um, uh, you know, design, you have stages that have been designed. So you have all of these things, all of the facets of art coming yeah. together for these amazing experiences. And Absolutely. so this is just another one, right? Like this is adding to it. 
Absolutely. Adding to the fabric, the conversation goes on, but how do you contribute your verse? That's what I always think of from Alfaldo and Emerson. And so it's just like, this is my verse that I'm contributing. Um, I also think of like, anytime you do a photo shoot or a runway or anything like that, like everyone brings their A game and it's really quite a miracle when you pull it off successfully. And that is what beautiful art is. Miracles coming together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So um, real quick, because you were talking about these curated events. Um, I loved the the kind of uh, entry entry questionnaire, if you will, of like, how are you feeling? Um, I think sometimes people may look at cannabis as like a one size fit all kind of mm -hmm. thing, or like, this is my strain, like you found this strain that you like. And so some people kind of get married to the strain, not thinking about like, hey, the same way, you know, you may do light liquor in the summer and, and, and dark liquor in the winter, or you know that dark liquor may take you somewhere that tequila doesn't or whatever the case may be, if you know yourself, if you're an experienced um, consumer. Um, I love the fact that you're creating that same kind of um, space and with that same intention in the cannabis world. And we're seeing companies kind of go in that direction as well, where it's not just sativa and, and hybrid and, in, and indica, right. but also what feeling, you know, what are you going for? So yeah. I was getting in your business and I saw that you have some favorite strains. Yeah. And so I wanted to know, what do your favorite strains say about you? So I'm just going to share y'all real quick. Um, so we got Alien OG. We got a Last in Thunder. Mm -hmm. I that's on here, Thunderfuck. Uh, and we have white buffalo, right? Like, so these are like your three favorite strains. Yes. Okay. So let's break this down. What do these strains say about you? I love it. Alien OG. I mean, back to what we were talking about before, like my Aquarius, I'm a double air sign. So Libra, sun, Aquarius, rising, Capricorn, okay. moon. I will go out there in conversations. We can talk about everything. I love it all. Even if I don't know or don't understand it, I can still talk to you about it because I love the gift of gab. So I feel like Alien OG like lets me go there with people. Um, and then Alaskan Thunderfuck is my giggly weed. Like when I just want like that, oh my gosh, I just laughed. I have abs now because I just laughed for hours straight. Like we just got in the silliest conversations. Like that's what I turned to. And the white buffalo is when I'm like really introspective and love those deep talks too, but really just feel like creating, like really taking my art to that level where I don't second guess myself. And I'm just like, it's going to be out there and it's going to be beautiful or it's not, but whatever, it's mine, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, I love the fact that one, you have your favorite strains, but two, the, uh, what it made me think about was um, being in this season of, uh, what are they calling it? Not just like people, not black people, just be uh, not just black people frolicking, but um, what do they call it? The easy life or the well, yeah, easy life, like easy era, easy life, yeah, soft life, yeah. soft. That's it, that's it, soft life. Mm -hmm. Yes, we deserve um, it, we deserve it, and so um, I feel like that's important, and I'm happy that one of your strains kind of gives you that. Like, I just want to get in touch with like my, my child self. Yeah, and I just wanna. I want to giggle. I want to not be serious. I I don't want to be too deep. Yeah, want to have a good time. My um, the book I'm reading right now is "All the Black Girls Are Activists" by Ebony Janice, which uh -huh. if you have not. Please run, go get it. It's 
transformative. Like, okay. and I do not mean that lightly. It's one of those books where I'm like, I'm going to put my highlighter away because it makes no sense to highlight every sentence. Like, <laughs> we just not do that, right? Like, don't at me, sis. Okay. Right. But like, literally every page, I just want to like message her and be like, oh my God, you really did that <laughs> because it's so good. But, you know, the takeaway so far from the book is like, our rest, our joy, our happiness is activism and we have to start looking at it like that we can't always just expect to be on the front lines burning out like our ancestors have like our sheer joy our laughter like the most revelatory thing i can do is to freaking love my life and to own it with agency and to really live intentionally like that is actually the most revelatory thing i can do and so really understanding that connecting it so finding the strains that bring me joy finding those moments that just like me in a park just chilling happy resting like as nina simone said no fear you know like that kind of energy is where i find my activism the strongest so things that can help me with that definitely cannabis and i feel like you're in a perfect city for it i mean i know new york is a like the city is a is a, is a jungle right like i know it is so fast-paced but also it is one of the, my favorite places to just like people watch yeah. and and to be able to just like walk around, you know, um, and to even kind of get lost in yourself. So you in the yeah. spot for it. Yeah, New York is definitely a vibe and I'm a walker. I love walking. So like I walk up and down. If I'm not in a rush or if I'm in comfortable shoes, I will absolutely opt to walk. And yep. like you said, people watching in New York is always a scene. Like I, it's one of my favorite things to do. Like it's free 99. Just go around <laughs> New York and watch people do their thing because they will. It's, it's like, like Tubi, girl. It's like Tubi. It's like everyone right is main character energy in New York. And that is what I love. And that's why they say if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Because like no one's trying to hold the door for you to like shine. Like you got to push your way there. So it's really incredible when you're in New York. So before we get out of here, June, I'm going to let you go. But what else do you want the people to know about what they're saying? To, let me plug this one last time um, also before you go into that. So, again, to stay up on what Miss June is doing. Why is this coming through? So sorry. To stay up on what Miss June is doing, follow her on IG at The Collective High, The Weed Doula. Um, and also industry folks fashion industry folks is going down september 8th um for new york fashion week if you are a part of bringing this whole thing to life please make sure that you check this event out that you reach out if you have not been invited please charge it to her mind not her heart she may not know you make yourself known okay um but reach out because this is this is going to be about, and this is what we need to do in terms of normalizing cannabis and its consumption and just engaging with this plant. We need to have these kind of events and these kind of spaces um, where it just be, where it's just a part of life. Mm -hmm. So I will stop there and I'll throw it to you. Uh, well, thank you again for having me. This is a beautiful space to be in and I appreciate your generosity. And um, yeah, reach out to me. Like I love talking to people about cannabis, um, whether you're familiar with it or not. I am here to answer your questions, to help, to invite you to the cool parties. And I really, I just want to create a collective of really high-minded, cool, dope people who get it and want to transform this into a movement with positive change. So reach out if that sounds aligning. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, June, thank you so much for coming on and talking to the people. 
um, for the history lesson that they didn't know that they was going to get or that they needed. Um, it is important. It is important because, you know, while weed is enjoyable, there are people who have literally um, paid with their lives. Absolutely. You know, and communities that have been decimated. Um, people still paying as we mm -hmm. speak. If others are making money. There are people who are still paying um, for engaging with this plant. And so we must never forget them. You know, we never. must always uplift that. Um, and fight to to end that. Absolutely. Um, so and I we can, and yeah. that's the important thing. Sometimes it feels overwhelming, but we absolutely can band together and do really impactful things in that space. Yeah. So I appreciate you for for bringing those things forward and um, and for being vulnerable in you know in your journey and the road that you're taking with the plant. And so um, with that being said, again, y'all know we everywhere on all the platforms. Please like, subscribe, um, check both of us out so that we know that you are out there. Um, you make us better. You know, you give us things to contemplate and things to act on um, and hopefully act in concert with you on them. And until next time, y'all know what it is. Stay blunt, y'all.